Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. The supply chain is still in flux. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And when you go to the grocery store, you've seen shelves that are empty or half empty more than I think I can remember in my life, but it is still a fact of life. And uh, Pam companies all over the country, all over the world are trying to find enough ingredients to get their products on the market. And it's not easy. You know, and it's impacting us in strange and unique ways. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. You know, I got a chance to visit with Scott Glennon. He is the vice president of taste for the North American branch of Carry Ingredients in Beloit, Wisconsin. Now, think about that title, Vice President of Taste. But literally, Kerry Ingredient started as a dairy cooperative in Ireland and now is celebrating its 50th anniversary. And all they focus in on are the tastes that you and I enjoy. And because of those supply chain disruptions, it's gotten to be a pretty complicated uh, uh, goal of keeping people entertained through their taste buds. And Scott goes on to explain there's always new avenues they're pursuing, not the least of which is in plant-based proteins and that flavor. First, we start off with a little history about Kerry Ingredient and what it takes to be the vice president of taste. So our taste portfolio, it stems from we do coffee extracts, stocks and oh. broths, um, citrus ingredients, um, savory flavors, beverage flavors. So anything you probably eat or drink during your day has a carry product in it hmm. um, or has a taste profile that you influenced. that is influenced by carry. Thank you for that. Yeah. Hmm. And um, so, so that being said is if it doesn't taste good, you're not going to eat or drink it. Mm -hmm. And we're there to help consumers enjoy their products. Um, and, and it's, we've got a sensory lab upstairs that can validate things for us. Hmm. We've got, um, a, a plant down in Lakeland, Florida, where we do our citrus products. Mm. So um, we're very, um, uh, pretty er vertically integrated in that mm -hmm. respect for our ingredients. Talk to me a little bit about how things uh, had to change during the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, of all times, consumers became acutely aware of where they were getting food from, and then all of a sudden everybody turned into a cook and suddenly are paying attention to specific ingredients. What was going on right here? So. <clears throat> During the pandemic, we worked from home, and it was a non-essential, I say essential, the sure. lab employees came in every day, and mm -hmm. kudos to those people up there in, in the labs. They came in every single day of the pandemic. Um, what we found out during the pandemic is people's eating habits changed. Mm -hmm. They didn't go out to dinner, so the food service industry and our business and food service went down. However, as you know, the grocery stores were packed with people, so beverages, um, we're hot. We're, we're, we're going through the root powder beverage in particular. Oh. We're going through the sustainability is a big part of it. So we saw our project load in our business and the powder beverage side go, go up. So mm. um, that changed how we had to pivot um, because we do a lot of liquid beverage compounding oh. and, and powder beverage compounding. So our demand um, kind of ebb and flowed during the, um, the pandemic. We also found that raw materials from China and India were extremely tough to get because ports were mm. being closed. So we had to go out longer on some raw materials and, and really kind of um, 
predict the market a bit mm -hmm. and bring in some raw materials. It's not always good to carry an inventory. So we, we, we've, I don't think we've mastered the art of it, but we've, um, we've almost perfected it a little bit on, on what materials we need to bring in. Now, post-pandemic, we're in a bit of a bind too because some key raw materials are not available any longer. People have gotten out of the business because of the pandemic, what they did to their businesses. So we're having to find replacements, new sources, mm -hmm. um, new sources of raw material. Absolutely. We found that the citrus market is, is um, we're talking lime down to Mexico. The crops aren't that well. This Ooh. year, the Florida crops in orange didn't turn out that well. Mm -hmm. So we're having to source different citruses globally now. Which is actually puts a little more pressure on with, with cost num number well, sure. one, transportation. but bringing them in because there's a shelf life on on fruits and vegetables. So. Wow, mm -hmm. boy, you just opened Pandora's box on all kinds of questions. So, where would you estimate, Scott, that you source most most of your ingredients? You know, if you take a look at the world, got a wild idea because again, I think people concentrate on North America and forget some of the savory uh, goals, some of that, like you said, citrus. They yeah. come from outside North America. So everything comes out from, say, not everything. Let me retract that. We source from every corner of, of the globe. Yeah. So there's not one that is mm. heavier than the other. Mm -hmm. You know, and also mm -hmm. crops change. You know, the vanilla crop goes mm -hmm. from Madagascar, right. India, and <laughs> Indonesia. So it changes. And with the weather patterns as well, we mm -hmm. have to be on top of, you know, any kind of hurricanes, mm -hmm. tsunamis, what what have you, mm -hmm. it affects these crops. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So let's talk, you mentioned you made it through the pandemic, things have changed a little bit and will continue to change. So how do you forecast that change? Is it interaction with your end users, the people that are ultimately going to shelf the product, put it out on retail? Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about how those conversations go along and what partnership side of things Kerry brings to the table. Yeah, so we actually have to, be more of a partner um, with our customers and um, we when we're developing products for them we, we let them know what possibilities could mm -hmm. be if they're looking for a natural organic mm. um, organic mm. certified product ah. we let them know there mm -hmm. could be a possibility of mm -hmm. a certain fruit extract that could pose problems yeah. mm -hmm. so we're trying to get up front of it it's not, we're not perfect nobody's no. perfect no. there but we're also, with the changing dynamics of rump, um, supply chain, you know, oh. we've had to extend lead times at some, <laughs> some point in time, and, and it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy. No. We're under the gun every day. Well, and I don't think it was easy before, but like you mm -hmm. said, now everybody understands that uh, one day's glitch can turn into a month's worth of empty shelf or a change in product. That being said, you mentioned how consumers' flavor profiles will drive a lot of what you're looking for. There's something in me, Scott, that says you guys are suddenly looking for hotter, darker. That seems to be the flavor profile everybody's focused in on. Tell me a little bit about how you have to monitor and react to that oh stuff. Oh my gosh, we've got, um, and this is, I, you can't see them, but part of the, the room that you're in helps us, say, predict what consumers are looking for. <laughs> so we can go into different demographics age groups, generations, uh -huh. and we will do studies on what they're leaning towards. Every year we come out at January 1 with flavor charts, uh -huh. and that it predicts what flavors are going to be consumed, yeah. and it also tells us what the popular one in the, in the past. And you're right, hot 
is always like hotter, you know, more colorful. Um, we're talking different combinations of fruit um, that are coming out, um, bolder mm -hmm. flavors. It's just, um, and the younger consumer now wants more, more, more. They want that experience. They want more of an experience. Where I'll say for myself, a different generation, we we assimilate. Sometimes we eat with parts of our lives here. We don't. We, mm -hmm. we, we I like the, the subtleties of it. Mm -hmm. um, but this new, the newer generations, the consumers who are actually buying the products yeah. now with expendable incomes want hotter, bolder, mm -hmm. juicier flavors. Mm -hmm. Organic is part of it, natural. So it's really tough to get these profiles in a natural, organic uh, platform. Well, and I'm assuming there's a lot of traceability, quality assuredness, oh gosh, verification yeah. that you guys are in charge of too. Every one of our plants, mm. um, we, we've got certifications. Um, we've got qual quality in this building alone. We've got an army of regulatory people that are keeping us on oh, our, our toes. So everything is scrutinized. You can't, uh, you can't take any chances. Scott Glenn, along with us, we're at Carry Ingredients in Beloit, Wisconsin. Uh, as he said, their headquarters, North America. And then you have to go where you've never had to go before. Completely new development of food products that consumers are requesting. And I'm talking about plant-based meat, where everybody seems to be trying to feel their way through the gray area. Tell me what that adventure has been like. And I'm, I'm guessing you've lived through similar, but that's the one that pops to my mind. Yeah, it's not only plant-based meats, it's plant-based dairy. Ah. It's, it's, a bit, it's a big one for the, um, the market right now. But I, I'd say that um, getting something, a product to taste like <laughs> chicken, to taste like beef, um, to actually taste like a cooked beef, yeah. takes a lot of nuances um, in a non- in a veg vegetarian yeah. type yeah. form, <laughs> yeah. um, but you also find with the the matrix that you're putting in, it's usually it's a it's a po protein. It comes with off notes. It's either bitter. Oh sure. Or it's like so we have to we've got masking agents that mask these properties ah, sure. where we can highlight the actual flavors you going into it. You know how do you how you min mimic the juiciness of a beef patty coming mm -hmm. off a grill? Mm -hmm. You know those are some of the ingredients that we're working with to assimilate that the, a beef patty coming off the grill. Sounds kind of strange, but um, there's a lot of different nuances that go into that. And I have to just ask from the farmer's side, hmm. so every new product like that presents an opportunity for growers in certain regions at least. So now how are you finding that ingredient market? Is it able to rise to the volume necessary to those nuances you're looking for? Because again, like I said, somewhere there's a farmer that's got to pivot and try to grow what you ultimately need. Yeah, I think the same same thing we talked about earlier as far as crops. Yeah. You know, some of these crops yes. haven't been as plentiful as they have been in the past, where we're finding new growers of different proteins coming out with mm -hmm. different types of beans that are coming into the marketplace mm -hmm. now. It all offers different kind of challenges mm -hmm. because not every protein is going to have the same bitterness. It's mm. going to require a different type of masker or... Sure. or uh, or a salt or umami enhancer, where we that's where we come into play. And we've got an innovation team that's, that's working always on, important. always working on some new type of mouthfeel, sodium enhancement, masking. Yeah. So just some mad scientists up here. Mad scientists indeed, working on flavors for you and I. That's Scott Glennon. He is the vice president of taste for Carrie Ingredients North American location in Beloit.
From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke.